amen, and have his blessings and have his favor. Amen. He truly is good to us. Man, we don't deserve it. But, man, we're going to give him praise and we're going to worship him because of that. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here tonight. Amen. We come to worship the Lord together. Amen. We are not all here, but uh, not in body, but in spirit. And uh, we want to uh, go before the Lord tonight and to pray for those who are not here. Uh, for whatever reason, sickness or or travel or work, Amen. When uh, when you're we're going through um, some spiritual growth, as we are this week, Amen. In the next week, these next few days, Amen. We know the enemy doesn't want us to advance even further, and so a lot of times during this time of sacrifice and consecration, things happen, right? And we know that they can be a uh, an attack of the enemy, but we, hey, we're going to go forward in Jesus' name. We're going to, we're not going to accept what the enemy has or what happens. We're, we're, we're going to go before the Lord, amen, or go before him in prayer and know that he can do anything. So ushers, if you come, we want to uh, bind together tonight and pray, amen, for each other, amen, that we continue on this next uh, week or so to finish strong, amen, and as we have our, our prayer late night prayer meeting next Friday night to finish this off, amen, and then to continue on, amen, to what God has in store. So let's go before the Lord together. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your grace and mercy and all that you've done for us, Jesus. Lord, you know each and every need, God, you know the situations and the sacrifices, Lord, your people are going through now. We ask you to comfort and strengthen us, Lord, help us through these times. Lord, touch those that are sick. We plead the blood over their bodies, God, and touch this offering tonight, God. God, help us to give back to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we can go to 2 Peter, the third chapter, amen. Continuing our series for the first and last days, uh, it's kind of hard not to talk about it, being in these last days and seeing everything that's going on. 
Second Peter 3 and 1, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in which both I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before thy holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, I, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Amen. And tonight is part five, continuing on this. Amen. You can turn to a few people and greet them. Amen. As you're seated tonight. Man, well, we've we've survived uh, another week, or have we? Are we just kind of hanging on? It just if we if we thought last week was crazy enough, uh, you know, talk about this week how crazy things have been. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of red out there uh, in the the markets and economy. Things are uh, definitely dropping uh, another rung on the ladder as as each week passes. You never know what's going to happen, but uh, it's no reason to fear or fret because it's not like this world is in control. Our God is in control, amen, and he knows everything that is going to happen, and uh, we're going to put our faith in him and his word because living in the last days, it is a most exciting time to be living in. While the world uh, spins in chaos and confusion, uh, the people of God should not get caught up in those whirlwinds of fear and hopelessness or downheartedness because our identity is found in the Word of God and not in this world. Uh, did not Jesus say, uh, we are in this world, but we are not of the world? And so if we are not of this world, then the things of this world uh, should not really cause us to worry or bother us too much uh, because we are not of it. Uh, if, but we still have to live here and, you know, be a part of it as, as, as best we can. But we know that there is a kingdom coming to which we belong, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And so we have not been given uh, the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And a, a sound mind, a godly mind, uh, is one that will not be swayed or deterred by the events of this world or by the people of this world. Amen. We have a made-up mind, and it is anchored in the Word of God. And so uh, things will happen, but uh, we are not going to... Uh, be dismayed because we are the people of God. We we are the children of the Most High, and we know that He will never leave us or forsake us. And no matter how bad this world may get, we have a promise uh, that greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And so, how can the world overpower us? If we have the one greater inside of us. And so it's not the time to panic or fear when looking at the events of the last days or the last week or month or this year or whatever. But 
uh, now more than ever is a time for us to look up, look up for our Savior, look up for our Redeemer, for our Deliverer to come because we know that His day, uh, that day is fastly approaching. And last week we uh, expounded upon the, the control of the world in the last days and, and how all roads seem to lead to Babylon in the last days uh, for the, the, the central hub, if you will, of the world dominance uh, where uh, in the last days we see, we'll see a, fi- a financial system uh, ruled by one, the religious system controlled and ru- ruled by one or few and really the economy of the world um, is controlled by a mark, whether you have it or not, determines if you'll participate in it or not. And it all seems to wrap around this uh, great city as it's uh, described, the great city of Babylon. Not great as in a godly way, but great in a a worldly way uh, of power and influence in the world. Just like it was in the, the first days of this new post-world flood that we live in, uh, where Nimrod, he built Babel and he controlled the world from there, uh, as much of the world as it extended out to. Uh, The one world government of Babel came to an end when God himself came down and intervened in in this world and he disrupted this world uh, and threw it off course, uh, the course that man had had for it and Satan had had. Uh, he threw it off course for thousands and thousands of years. And it's only up until now are, are we getting to the place and the point in history where it can all come back together and it can all uh, be controlled once again uh, by a single entity or a single man or a single beast uh, or a single person. And so, uh, and likewise, we saw that happened at Babel. We also see that in the last days, uh, according to Scripture, that that the end of Babylon uh, will be when God Himself intervenes again in this world, and He comes and He destroys the armies of this world that have gathered and are attacking and come against Israel. And will destroy uh, that great city Babylon, uh, seem to be the headquarters of the Antichrist. Um, and we are not told exactly uh, what happened to the Tower of Babel. We, we are just told that uh, God confused the language and, and caused man to disperse through the world. We're not, not sure if God just kind of smashed the, the tower with his, with his fist or uh, let it be. Uh, we are not given those uh, descriptions of what happened of Babel. But uh, history that is forgotten is history that will be repeated again. Uh, and so Babel can be said to have been forgotten. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be repeated again. Uh, one of the reasons that the people... Uh, fled the old world and came to live in this country, America, uh, was to escape oppression, uh, to escape religious oppression and and government oppression. Uh, They left a world where they had no personal individual rights. They had no free speech or or no personal 
uh, property rights. They couldn't speak their minds because the government controlled it all, and the government controlled what could be said or not said. And so they fled here to this new world, this new land, where they had a, a right to free speech and a right to religion. They didn't have to worship the, the state uh, the state religion system and participate in it. They could sh- worship God however freely they chose to worship him. And it seems that we have since forgotten that history about ourselves uh, and the founding of this country. And so whether we've forgotten it or they are purposely not teaching it to the next generation, what is going to happen when history is forgotten is that history will repeat itself. And so what will happen is uh, the government will create agencies that will control speech and decide what is truth and what is dis- disinformation. Um, and eventually they will move to control religion that is, uh, that is allowed or disallowed. And, they, and then we will become that very country uh, to which people had fled from and came here. It seems like we have forgotten that, and so therefore we are doomed to repeat history. And we see that uh, unfolding now in the events of our, of our country as we had spoken about even uh, last week and previous weeks where things are happening in this, uh, this country that uh, seem to be moving us closer and closer to a one-world system of, of control. And all of that is because uh, history is forgotten. Had they, t- had they still taught uh, the, the, the young generation uh, about why we, fled, uh, why we fled the old world and came here, uh, a lot of things probably would not be happening that they are happening today. But the fact that people don't care, don't know, are not informed, uh, are... are our Congress can do whatever they want to do, pass whatever crazy laws. Most people have no idea what goes on, um, just living their life, and they, we trust our, our officials, and that's where the problem is. It's hard to trust them if they don't even, uh, if they don't have a healthy fear of God, then how can we trust them to do what is right? Uh, and so we, clearly we're seeing that happening now, and all because history is forgotten. But that is not going to be the issue in the last days with Babylon uh, because Jesus is going to make sure that no one will be able to forget what happened in those last days when the world was controlled by one man and it turned completely evil and they organized a global attack on the people of God. Uh, Jesus is not going to let that uh, be forgotten because uh, Babylon will not be forgotten. The the insurrection, the, the, the feeble attempt by man and the devil to take out the people of God, uh, that, that story seems to be like it might be one that will always be told so that history will not be forgotten. Revelation uh, 17, chapter 17 and 18 talked about um, Babylon, that great city, and its fall, how it has, had been destroyed by the hand of God. Uh, and so Revelation 19 kind of continues on a little bit after these things. I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore uh, Babylon 
which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So after Jesus returns to the earth with his church and the armies of heaven and, and saves the, the nation of Israel from the Antichrist and the armies of the world who have uh, surrounded and descended upon Israel, uh, Jesus is going to destroy them uh, and along that with them the, the great city of Babylon. And as we read in Revelation 13 and 3 tells us that the burning smoke uh, from the ashes of that of what used to be Babylon, uh, the burnt, that smoke will, will continue up into the sky, burn up into the sky. Uh, the Bible says her smoke rose up forever and ever. And so it would have seemed like if, this, if we can literally take this almost as a literal interpretation, uh, that uh, once Babylon is destroyed in the last days, it's just going to be a, a, a burning pile of rubbish. And it seems that uh, if that is the way it's going to happen, it seems like that God just allows that just to continue to burn. Uh, a huge plume of smoke to to go up into the sky forever and ever and uh, now we all can we all can see we all know when there's a forest fire around here right I mean you just see the big plume going up uh, of smoke something is burning and so uh, it seems like that is what Babylon will look like uh, forever and ever uh, at least the smoke uh, it appears why. Uh, because when, when children will ask their parents, why is that smoke burning up over there? It'll be a perfect opportunity for the parents to say, well, many years ago, there was a worldwide rebellion against King Jesus and against the nation of Israel. And that is where the headquarters of evil was, is in Babylon. And, and King Jesus made sure that it will always burn so that we will always see that and we will always know that that is where uh, Jesus destroyed uh, Babylon and the resistance and rebellion, uh, and the smoke goes up uh, forever and ever. Uh, and obviously, um, that's kind of uh, maybe my interpretation of that, and who knows if that is that ex exactly what it's going to be like, but it seems like it, it could make sense that God is going to allow this just to burn forever, at least, uh, at least through the millennial reign uh, until, uh, you know, the Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, and so I don't know if that will be in that or not, but uh, we'll find out one day, right? One day soon. Uh, and so uh, that burning pile of, of Babylon will, will be an example uh, of those that rebel against the Most High God as to say, hey, uh, it's not a good thing to rebel against uh, King Jesus. And uh, it's even amazing uh, when you read about the millennial reign where Jesus rules the world in, in peace and all these things. And uh, that you see that the plume of smoke from Babylon going up. It, the Bible even talks about even after the millennial reign, there's going to be people that rise up against Jesus. It, uh, it's crazy because Satan will be loosed out of the pit after a thousand years and there will be one more uh, one more resistance that Satan will round up people who have lived in here on the earth during this time. And they've seen all that, and even still they will try to rise up against Jesus, and that will be uh, the end of it for Satan and any kind of 
uh, evil resistance, and then uh, we move into all of eternity in heaven. And so uh, it's still amazing how, how man will still do that after Jesus is ruling for a thousand years, and they still think that they'll rise up against him. But that's the, that's the sinfulness of man, and when pride enters our heart, uh, we think we are invincible. And so we, we know what the end result of Babylon was going to be in the last days. It's just going to be destroyed, uh, a pile of smoke uh, for, uh, forever and ever. And so, but, but how do we arrive at such a time and event where that happens? Uh, a lot of things is going to happen between now and then. And um, going back and reading the prophecies concerning Israel... Uh, and the surrounding nations help provide us a roadmap of where we are in these last days uh, because the world is not just going to wake up one day and decide to surround Israel and, and to, to try to take them out. Uh, a lot uh, will go on over there and in the last days. And the ancient prophecies actually call out specific countries and locations and peoples that will invade Israel in the last days. And so uh, when we get there, we'll have to check them, uh, check in and, and, and how they are doing today versus the ancient prophecies uh, uh, that were spoken about them. And the, the prophecies concerning the last days of Israel and the sur surrounding nations were given by the prophet Ezekiel, uh, one of the prophets, uh, some 2,600 years ago. And so Ezekiel, the context here is Jerusalem and Judah, uh, the last remaining uh, of the kingdom of Israel just got destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and thus really kind of marking an end to the nation of Israel uh, at that time uh, because they were conquered and they were carried off as captives to uh, Babylon, the city of Babylon. And so now at this point, Jerusalem is desolate. I mean, just got invaded by the most powerful army on the earth. And so things got destroyed and ransacked. And Jerusalem is a war-torn region. The temple is burned down, all the gold and silver. Anything of value was, was taken and, and confiscated by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army. Uh, and so Jerusalem was no more. Uh, 586, 587 B.C. this took place. Uh, and so what a, what a sad tragedy uh, that was because it didn't have to be. If the people of God would just uh, obeyed uh, the word of God and lived for God, that, that wouldn't have happened. But uh, uh, we know that uh, that did not happen. And so it, Jerusalem was no more. The nation of Israel was no more. It was conquered um, by Assyrians many years earlier, and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon uh, in this time when Ezekiel was alive. Now, normally, any other country uh, or people that are invaded and conquered, and they get carried off as slaves into another foreign land, normally, that really is kind of the end of the line for them. Like, uh, once that happens, the chances of you coming back to your homeland and rebuilding that same exact nation of the same people, that history tells us that that really just doesn't happen. Once somebody comes and conquers your land, uh, you know, odds are your tribe or your, 
your people often will eventually might get erased from the, the books of history because you were conquered. And the, the, the more powerful nation decided to replace you and, and, uh, and, and wipe you out. And so normally that is the end of the line for a nation that gets conquered. And as the years passed on, that people and that culture, they get mixed in more and more to the conquering society. And after a few generations or so, there really isn't much left of that, uh, of that nation uh, that um, uh, used to be there. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, a gr- perfect example of that is here. Obviously, the, uh, the American Native Indians were, this was their land, and then uh, people came and invaded, and, and you see how uh, what, ha- what happened to their, the, not that they were extinct or, or killed off, but uh, the possibility of, of them, uh, you know, coming back and just the, reclaiming all of this land as theirs, that's a very slim possibility. It's not, we're not, not really going to happen. They have their own tribe, their own land that w- the government has given them. But things are different, uh, not just here, happened here, but that's happened through all out of all of history, invading nations come in and take over, and, hey, this is our land now. Uh, and so for... Uh, for uh, a nation to come back and say, well, this is where we, our, our homeland is and we're coming back, um, uh, the odds of that ever happening are very slim. Uh, but Israel isn't just an ordinary people, are they? They are called out from this world. They were a, a peculiar people, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So God was not just going to let them go and just get buried in the sands of time and forgotten about like many other countries and people and tribes happen to. No, uh, they were God's people, and God made a covenant with them and with Abraham, and so God cannot go back on his word. No matter how bad Israel would get, there are still unfulfilled promises and prophecies that are concerning the nation of Israel and Abraham and his seed. And so just because they were conquered and Jerusalem is destroyed doesn't mean that that is the end of Israel. Maybe for other nations that would be the end of them and they would exist no more. Uh, but not for Israel because Israel is not like any other nation. And so here, Israel, uh, Ezekiel is taken captive uh, during this time, um, and God begins to speak to Ezekiel and give him visions of things to come uh, of the last days concerning the nation of Israel. And obviously, he has a whole book of visions, and we'll just focus on a few chapters that really kind of uh, help plug us into the time period that we are uh facing today. Uh, And so we see, we begin in Ezekiel 36, and thou son of man prophesy unto the mountains of Israel and say, ye mountains of Israel, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy hath said against you, aha, even the ancient high places are our possession, are in our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that ye might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen, and ye are taken up in the lips of talkers and are an infamy of the people. And so clearly 
uh, Israel is desolate and has become desolate. Uh, and they have become the possession of heathen nations. Uh, this, this had just happened. Uh, and so this is all fresh in Ezekiel's mind. He, can, he, can, he was there for it all, the invading, the conquering, the battle of it all. Uh, and so uh, he was taken out uh, captive. And so he understands, yeah, God, I, this is clearly what has just happened. We have be- Israel and Jerusalem has become a desolate We've been swallowed up by the nations around us. And so, uh, but that does, that's just the introduction there. But, but God is telling Ezekiel to prophesy to the mountains of, of Israel uh, and begin to say these things to the land of Israel. Uh, verse 4, Therefore, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastes, and to the cities that are forsaken, which uh, became a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen that are round about it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy, I have spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all the, uh, against all Edomia, which have appointed my land into their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds to cast it out for a prey. Notice how God says, this is my land. Uh, and so whatever happens over there, we know that it's really it's God's land. He owns all the earth, and so it's, this is his land. Uh, and he's kind of, it's a, kind of a tongue-in-cheek where they, they think they've come in and they've conquered and destroyed it all and, and taken everything. Um, prof, verse 6, prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel. And say unto the mountains, the hills, rivers, and valleys, Thus the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because ye have borne the shame of the heathen. Uh, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I have lifted up mine hand, and surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches, and yield your fruit to my people of Israel. For they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled and sown. And I will multiply men upon you, and all the house of Israel, even all of it. And the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit. I will settle you and after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. The God, that I am the Lord. Yea, I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess thee. Thou shalt be in their inheritance, and thou shalt no more henceforth bereave them of men. Thus saith the Lord God: Behold, they shall say unto you, Thou. Thou land devourest up men, and hast bereaved thy nations. Uh, therefore thou shalt devour men no more, neither bereave uh, thy nations any more, saith the Lord God. Neither will I cause men to hear in, thy, in thee the shame of thy heathen any more, neither shalt thou bear the reproach of the people any more. And neither shalt thou cause thy nations to fall any more, saith the Lord God. Uh, and so he's obviously uh, really speaking to that time period where they were uh, just living it out. But also, 
describing its current state, but also speaking to the future, prophesying that, hey, this is not always the way it's going to be. The land is not always going to be desolate, that the cities will be inhabited once again, and the land of Israel will restore and, and bring forth branches and yield fruit. And uh, basically, uh, Ezekiel spoke this prophecy, Israel was not in the land. They were not there. It was desolate. But God is saying that this is not going to be the final result of the land. But prophesy to the mountains of Israel, go ahead and let the land know that this is what God has to say about the land. It doesn't matter what man has done or what they think they are doing or what they have conquered or taken. Uh, Go ahead and speak to the land uh, and let them know what God thinks and what God has said is going to happen. But now you are desolate, but there is coming a day where the people of God, they will return. And so it doesn't matter how impossible it might seem, if God said that people are going to come back, if God said the cities will be inhabited one day, it is going to happen. It doesn't matter how long it takes or how many years pass or how, how, how much of an enemy, has, what they have done to the land. If God said his people are going to come back to the land and live there and thrive there, then guess what? It's going to happen. And we see that that is, uh, that is what is going to happen and uh, up until verse 15. But verse 16 explains... Uh, why they are not there. Um, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanliness of a removed woman. Uh, Wherefore, I poured out my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land, uh, that their idols wherewith they had polluted it, And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed throughout all the countries according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. Uh, And so basically when they were carried off uh, in whatever Whatever land they ended up in, the people, the Jews, wherever they ended up, uh, they profaned the name of the Lord because they were over there when they should have been in Israel. Uh, They profaned the name of God because this never should have happened and and will not happen to the people of God who live right. Uh, And and so they uh, profaned, they they dirtied the name uh, of God because of their actions and because God had to kick them out. Uh, brought shame, if you will, to the name of God uh, because they should never be living in another land when God said, this is where your land is. Verse 21, but I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen wherever they went. Uh, And therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, or, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen wherever you went, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned it in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall 
be sanctified in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the heathen, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and ye shall be clean, and from all your filthiness, from all your idols, and will I cleanse you. And so uh, God kicked them out, and when they went out, they profaned the name of God because they should not have been kicked out. Uh, but God says, I've, I'm doing all of this for my name's sake. It's not, it, not because of you, Israel, but I'm here to protect my name. You've defiled and profaned my name and by your actions. So uh, this is how it's going to be, how I'm going to get glory again to my name. I'm going to kick you out. And then uh, by my mighty hand and power, I will do something that has never happened before to any other nation. I will gather you back to your homeland uh, to give me glory and honor, to, to, to praise my holy name because you guys have done that to my name. And so an act of God comes in, uh, is going to come in and do all of this for his name's sake. That's how much God cares about his name uh, and, and, and is cherished his name. It is the name that is above every name. And so uh, when we are to do all in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord, it's to give God glory and praise and bring honor to that name and not to profane it or, or, or disgrace it or anything like that. And so uh, God will fight for his name even if it meant kicking his own people out of the land so that his name will get glorified when he brings them back in. So it's really all about God and his name and his glory. It has nothing, uh, you know, we, we're all in this, and uh, it, it, it behooves us to continue to give God glory in all that he does and to lift up his name. And so, uh, musicians, if you would come. Uh, so this restoration of, of the nation of Israel uh, seems to be in two parts. Uh, first, there needs to be a regathering of the people back in the land because they were all kicked out and and God said uh, they will come back in the land and they'll be fruitful and and uh, you know be uh, blessed there in the land again and so that first part is uh, the physical restoration where they're physically there in the land and and the second part seems to uh, appear here in verse 26 a new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and will keep my judgments and do them. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And so it seems like uh, the first part is, is the regathering, coming back to the land, and once they are there in the land, they will be spiritually restored. Uh, they will be given a new heart and will be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, and so now they are completely restored. Um, and and that, that sounds like a time of revival when God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, even His own people finally, where they uh, look to Him as their Savior and their Messiah. And, and so... Uh, they're dispersed um, in Ezekiel's day. They're dispersed, and but he's saying, "Hey, tell the land, tell Israel that they're coming back. Uh, I will bring them back, and not only will I bring them back, but I will give them a new heart, and I will put my spirit in them, and they will be uh, uh, the people of God who they should have been 
in the first place. Uh, and so that that uh, is is the prophecy in, in verse chapter 36, and it kind of goes into um, uh, another perspective, if you will. Ezekiel chapter 37, the hand uh, of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Uh, we've, we've heard this uh, many times, preached many times, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry, uh, dead and dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Uh, and I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, this is Ezekiel. Him and Ezekiel's talking to God. Um, o God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, Prophesy to these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God under these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and bring uh, up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. For I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, as Ezekiel saying, There was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone, and when I look, I beheld, lo, the sinews of the flesh came upon them, and the sin, uh, skin covered the above, them above, but there was no breath in them. Uh, and so here uh, we, we can see, like the nation of Israel, they're desolate. They're gone. They're carried away. There's no Israel. But now speak to those bones, uh, the bones of Israel, and that they will, bring, they will have life again. They will be here once again and be alive. Uh, and so he prophesied, and, and there we see the bones and everything coming together. Uh, all these, these the skeletons um, have flesh and everything on there, and they're, they're standing there. And Ezekiel uh, uh, comments, and he says that there's no breath in them. So there's, if you can imagine with me, a, a, an army of, uh, of uh, people in the valley. They're, the bodies are restored. Physically, their bodies are restored, and they're all standing there. Uh, but there's no breath of them. They're not alive yet. So they're, they're physically there, uh, but uh, there's no breath in them. And then he says to me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet in exceeding great army. And he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts. Uh, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring them into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, brought you up out of your graves, and then... Uh, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and then ye shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. And so here we see the spiritual uh, restoration of the nation of Israel, where they will they finally come to faith and, and see Jesus for who he really is. Um, and so they're there, uh, they're assembled physically, and then God breathes into them, and they uh, become alive again. Uh, if you stand with me tonight, um, and some people might say that this was, this prophecy was fulfilled some 70 years later, 
when the people of Israel returned to the land, uh, the, the miracle that that happened, um, and, and yeah, we do see uh, a, a, a physical regathering uh, of the nation of Israel, and the second part of the prophecy, uh, you know, is the spiritual restoration, uh, the spirit of God inside of them. When they came back after the 70 years of exile, uh, they rebuilt the temple, Nehemiah and Ezra. And so they continued and, and started offering the sacrifices. And, and, and so their, their faith was restored. But here in the prophecy, God said that he would put his spirit in them and give them a new heart. And if, uh, if that is uh, a literal interpretation, we know that that really didn't even happen. Uh, anything like that really even happened until the day of Pentecost came, uh, where uh, his, his people, his church were filled with his spirit. And even so, now this continuing on to even today. Uh, and so, if that prophecy of Ezekiel 36 and 37 was fulfilled back then, uh, what do we do uh, about uh, the year 70 A.D. when this seems to happen all again? They're conquered again. Israel's conquered again. Uh, Jerusalem is destroyed again. The second temple is destroyed again. Just like it happened in 587 uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. Now the Romans come in and do it again. And so uh, it would seem that this prophecy... Uh, shouldn't really apply back then because then it's over and done with. But if it applies for the last days, uh, we still have it to come to pass and uh, be fulfilled. Um, and a, I think Ezekiel's prophecy is for the last days, these days, because once again the nation of Israel became desolate after the year 70 A.D., and it remained desolate for almost 2,000 years. It remained desolate after that because there was no nation of Israel for 2,000 years. From the year 70, after that, it went dark. There was no, history tells us of no nation of Israel uh, because it did not exist. It was desolate. They were scattered among the earth. And we even have documented history uh, a man by the main name of Mark Twain. Have you ever heard of Mark T Twain or read his books? Uh, he went over to Israel in 1869, and he, whatever caused him to go over there, I'm not sure, but he decided to go over to the land of Israel, and he wrote down as being a world-renowned writer, he wrote what he observed over there. And, and he says about the nation of Israel, is is a desolate country whose soil is rich enough but is given over wholly to weeds, silent, mournful expanse, a desolation is here that is not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. And so It's so dead over there. This is what he's saying, what he's seeing over there. And this was in 1869. Uh, and so we, we never saw a human being on the whole route. This is the nation of Israel where he's at. There was hardly a tree or shrub anywhere, even the olive tree and the cactus, those uh, fast friends of worthless soil had almost deserted the country. And so we have documented evidence, and it's amazing how he uses the word desolate, desolation, because isn't that what Ezekiel talked about, desolate. 
here the world-renowned writer is describing a desolate land. Uh, and so, uh, but now if you look over there today, it is not what he saw. Something, has, something happened in this last century where things have completely changed over there. And uh, it is no longer desolate, but we know that it is now a nation, is the nation of Israel now is back on the map. Uh, some 2,000 years later, Israel just pops back up on the map of the world history and countries of the world. That just doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen uh, unless the hand of God is in it. And so uh, now we see cities of abundance. It is a world it is a world superpower over there. Um, and so uh, I, I think the first part of this, of Ezekiel's prophecy, is being fulfilled of a, of a physical regathering. Of, uh, they've come from all uh, nations of the world and have gathered and are back in their homeland. The, the physical regathering of it, but they're physically there. But I, I don't think the spiritual uh, restoration has happened yet uh, where God says, I'll put my spirit in them um, and uh, breathe in them the, the breath of life uh, because uh, they're there over there physically but they're still partially spiritually blind they, they don't see Jesus as who he is and so they're there in body but they're not really there in spirit or in faith yet and, uh, and if you don't believe in Jesus then there's no way that he can fill you with his spirit right you have to believe uh, and so if the nation of Israel doesn't believe and accept Jesus for, his, for who he is, he can't fill them with his spirit yet. Uh, and so, but there is a coming a day in the last days will, where Israel will turn their eyes and they will turn their hearts toward heaven and they will cry out to Jesus. They will cry out to God to save them. And then that is when Jesus will come with his church and the armies of heaven and the eastern sky is going to split open and he's going to ride in on his white horse and come and touch down in the nation in the, in the city of Jerusalem and he's going to uh, do what we've talked about, fight against the, the armies of this world who are there uh, and fight against the beasts and the, the Antichrist and he will destroy them and, and Babylon and all these things. But... In order for Israel to be restored spiritually, uh, it's going to take a great tribulation for that to happen. And that is where uh, we are fastly approaching in these last days uh, uh, of this world coming together in a one world government. Uh, and we know that they are going to assemble and descend upon Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, as dark as that may seem, we see the prophecies that are going to happen because of that. Uh, because that happens, Israel is going to be awoke, uh, awakened. Uh, Israel is going to now, their eyes are going to be opened. Their blinders will be taken off after the, the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Israel is going to, something is going to cause them to stir in their spirit. And they're going to look to Jesus and he's going to... Uh, reveal him himself and come to them and that's going to be a, a revival for the nation of Israel they're finally going to come back to faith and and be filled with his spirit and and be living uh, like they should be living but they're there there now but they're not uh, spiritually restored but 
uh, here in these last days, I'm telling you, these are the exciting times to live in. Uh, even though the headlines, they may not seem exciting, they're just drawing us closer and closer. And if, if that means these things are happening, what's going to happen first before a lot of this happens is the, the, the rapture of the church. Well, we're going to be lifted out of here. Uh, and so um, when, when, when the department stores... In October, they start, what do they start doing? They start putting up Christmas lights, right? Everything, uh, Christmas lights appear because we know that Christmas is coming. But before Christmas, we know what, what happens. Thanksgiving happens. Uh, and so, you know, uh, the great tribulation, uh, we'll, we'll liken that unto, unto the Christmas lights and the event. We see all these things happening that are coming towards that. But... Before Christmas ever happens, Thanksgiving happens, and that's we we can say Thanksgiving would be the church, the rapture of the church is going to be lifted out of here before that t that time happens. So, uh, yeah, it may be dark out there. Yeah, the new headlines are coming and showing, and it's getting a little uneasy here. But that just means that we're one day closer to the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. So we need to be ready more than ever before. We've got to be ready and on fire and on cleansed. Uh, our hearts and minds cleansed and ready to meet him because it can happen any day now and I believe we are in the last days and we're going to see that happen amen we got to be ready why don't we worship the Lord together we close out this service uh, we don't need to fear or worry about what's going to happen we know Jesus is coming he's coming for his people we got to be ready to meet him in the air whatever happens Jesus we know you we are in your hands it's an exciting time to be alive. The hand of God in our lives and in this world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How great you are, Jesus.
great. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your promises that we can stand upon. And no matter what happens, God, your word will be fulfilled. Amen. And we give you the praise. We thank you, Lord. Amen. So that was Ezekiel's prophecies in chapters 36 and 37 concerning Israel. And next week we'll get into chapter 38 where he's, God tells him to turn and prophesy to the nations that are going to come and invade uh, Israel. Gog and Magog, you may have heard that. Uh, that is where uh, in chapter 38 he mentions them. And we will look into seeing where Gog and Magog and all those countries are today and what kind of what's going on in those countries in regards to Israel because 38 tells us that they're going to invade Israel and so we'll, we'll, we'll scan the headlines and see how close they are uh, to invading and, and getting ready for that so uh, amen looking forward to these last days because of the things we know about in the first days Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.